Two childhood friends from Houston, Texas, teaming up to create a hit song or two sounds like the plot of a feel-good movie, but it's actually the story of songwriter Mark James and singer B.J. Thomas. Before teaming up with James, Thomas had already achieved commercial success in the music industry with his band The Triumphs and their 1966 album I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry, featuring a cover of the Hank Williams song of the same name. Thomas decided to strike out on his own in 1968 with a solo career. Producer Chips Moman convinced Thomas to record his solo debut with Moman's publishing company in Memphis, a company that James had been working at since 1967 as a staff songwriter. James wrote Thomas's next two hits, Eyes of a New York Woman, and another single, which hit number five on the Billboard Hot 100 and sold more than a million records. The track features legendary session musician Reggie Young playing an electric sitar while Thomas sings James's lyrics about the thrill of being in love. Despite the single being a huge success, it is not the version that remains fixed in the popular consciousness. Infamous pedophile and well-known musician-slash-producer Jonathan King covered the song in 1971, provided the blueprint for the most successful version of this single, recorded by Swedish rock band Blue Swede in 1973. Blue Swede hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart in 1974, and their single helped take the soundtrack for the 2014 Marvel film Guardians of the Galaxy to the top of the Billboard 200 chart. That's right, we're talking Hooked on a Feeling by Mark James and BJ Thomas on Cover Me. That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous songs and their many cover versions and compares them against one another to find out which one is in love with me. I'm your host as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my sweet as candy co-host, Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Um, it's, mostly it's just a sunny day. Things are thing, feeling all right. I like I Not vacuumed, here, did some I'll vacuuming. Oh nice. Did some cleaning today. Things are Yeah. Got some things done. Got some things done. That's good. That's a good way to start the day. Yeah. It's Sunday. It's my Saturday. It's confusing for me. Having an irregular it's a week. Good Sunday. Yeah, irregular weeks, man. Fuck 'em. Don't need them. Don't want them. Yeah. I hear that. Throw them in the trash. Although, but the, the nice thing about a regular week, I'll say this briefly, and then we'll get into real stuff, is that during these times, these, these, this pandemic time, where there's not real weekend activities, but everybody's still out on the weekends, having weekdays off is nice, because you can go, you know, kind of take the city for yourself. Every place is slow. You can go wherever you want. You're going to get service right away, and it's not crowded, and that's nice. But otherwise, for things like this, scheduling a weekly podcast, fuck it. It's terrible. Come on. Give me a nine to five. That said, we're going to talk about uh, this song today. BJ Thomas recently passed away from uh, lung cancer at the mm -hmm. end of May. Mm -hmm. And we are going to talk about this song. This, he's probably more well known for uh, raindrops keep falling on my head, right? I would imagine so, because, I mean, I don't really know what the definitive version of that song is necessarily, but... I've... It's the one featured in the film Spider-Man 2. See, I don't even ever remember, like, <laughs> I don't remember it in Spider-Man 2, but I haven't seen Spider-Man 2 in a long time. That song okay. is just one that, like, I've always kind of known the title of, mm. but never necessarily the song. Like, I kind of, like, my parents probably sang it, heard it around the right. house kind of thing. 
I know it exclusively from Spider-Man 2. It's just like a montage scene. Peter Parker's puttering around doing whatever. Probably having a bad time. Like Probably. Bad things were happening to him, I would guess. Because of the raindrops. Yeah. Now, this song, on the other hand, this is, I mean, I don't, I never heard of BJ Thomas before. I heard he passed away. And then they were like, he's performed these songs. And I was like, hey, that's an opportunity for us. But like, other than that, I had not heard of him before. Yeah, and he's, like, one of those older, um, I mean, I don't know how much of his stuff he actually wrote, because, like, some of his songs are written by Mark James, who also wrote Suspicious Minds and other Elvis Presley hits, as well as some stuff for Brenda Lee. So, like, you know, real staff songwriter. He's from that that era more where musicians were performers rather than writers and performers. He's not a singer-songwriter. Right. Yes, I see that actually on his Wikipedia page. He is not described mm-hmm. as a singer-songwriter, just as a singer. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so an interesting character in that regard. I guess not that interesting, but he's of that era. and so Yeah, it's what, kind what of, it, it was common, uh, you know, in the past, but now everyone's a singer-songwriter to some degree, mm-hmm. uh, it seems. But that's probably not it 100% seems. true. That's why, you know, we make everything more independently these days. I mean, I guess there are just more singer-songwriters around, whether that's the norm in... Certainly not in pop music, because I think we still have staff songwriters in, in larger groups, even where you get we four do. people. I think a lot of the time, though, it's like this famous person collaborated with the songwriter. So it's like, who did how much oh, work? Yeah. You don't know, but like it's officially a collaborative effort. Right. Yeah, because some songs we've talked about, like uh, the Rihanna one. Um, bitch better, get, bitch, bitch better, have, bitch my better have my yeah. money. They wrote the song and then kind of pitched it to people and then got Rihanna on it. It wasn't that Rihanna like had hired them or that they were staffed for Rihanna. Right. So it is sort of like two entities coming together and sometimes it's a, a prefabricated song that they just attach to an artist or you know maybe sometimes it's the other way around an artist says I want these guys to write this for me. Yeah. So I guess it's probably not that uncommon. Maybe we just have more of this there's more opportunities for a singer-songwriter type to see yeah. some success. So maybe I'm just maybe I just I'm totally off. Base. Maybe it's just you and I are into singer-songwriter types. That's probably it. Be. That's probably what it is, <laughs> That's right? That's most it. of what I listen to. But, hey, Hooked on a Feeling, most well-known for, I mean, these days, most well-known for, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. And the, and, and the backing vocal track. Because this was in all the hype for the trailers. It was, and that's that's like where my memories of it are formed. Yeah, I remember seeing the trailers for that. Honestly, from the first place I remember hearing it from, and I have a vague sense that I might have known it before then, but the first place I remember hearing it is on the Reservoir Dogs soundtrack, actually. That's right. Um, which is, I knew one of those movies where I knew the soundtrack a long time before I ever actually saw the movie. Um, yeah, I would have seen Reservoir Dogs before Guardians of the Galaxy, so I probably yeah. had heard it in there. But just it did like it didn't connect, and it wasn't as because the the integral song on that one is by Steelers Wheel. True, yeah. The the, the, the songs the songs that are actually on the soundtrack, like I had the CD, right. Okay. But the songs in the movie, like rewatching the movie after knowing the uh, the soundtrack album fairly well, a lot of them just play in the background. Like there's no focus yeah. on them. Like they're in a diner and it's on a radio, so it's like all diegetic or whatever. That's right. Um, but then it's on the yeah. soundtrack, legitimately. 
Yeah, because there's the radio station in that movie. Mm -hmm. It's it's Sweet Sounds of the 60s or whatever it is. Yeah, 70s. And 70s, yeah, that's what it would be. I should have known. I should. I obviously should have known that. Like, <laughs> well, there are like excerpts from from them talking on the soundtrack as well. So, yeah. Okay. K. Billy's sounds the seventies or whatever. So yeah, the Blue Swede version, a lot of commercial success in a lot of different places. Apparently, also yeah. old episodes of Ally McBeal. Um, sure. This version, the original, different. Um, even in the lyrics, there is a, a lyrical difference. And let's use this opportunity to talk about. He's very easy to understand lyrics. Yes, let's. Kind of feeling. Um, it starts like this. Yeah. I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me. Girl, you just don't realize what you do to me. It's about love. Nailed it. All right. It is about love. Um, Call it a day. We have talked about songs like this before, and it, I feel like it comes up more in older songs. Um, mm. Not that it's not true of more modern songs, but I feel like... In modern songs, you maybe have to add an extra twist, but this is a song that's like about one thing and just like presents a series of metaphors that support that right. idea, basically. And and sort of closely knit metaphors. Yes. Yeah. So it's all, all kind of based around this idea. I mean, it's in the name of the song, Hooked on a Feeling. It's a mm-hmm. it's a drug addiction as metaphor for love, which I mean yeah. we've even talked about that one specifically like that's um toxic by britney spears um and that's the one i can think of off the top of my head but it even this idea is not like it it's come up a few times yeah and unlike toxic where there's an acknowledgement of the the bad nature of this relationship this one seems to be just positive it is pretty positive it and i think that's what i meant when i earlier i said like there has to be something else in newer songs is like you have to get a little like introspective about it. I guess that's the like postmodern influence of like, but what does it mean? But this is just like, I can't get enough you girl. Like it's like, I'm a fucking junkie. Wow. And then just like, yeah, they're fine with that. We've even talked about this as recently as like lonely boy, where he's like, I know I'm better than you, but I still love you despite the abuse. Like, the idea of being sort of helpless in love, that love is not something you, you choose to do, it's kind of something that happens to you, is present in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No control. Um, yeah. Feels love, yeah. Uh, let's also, see. The, the, the object of affection here, the girl, doesn't, doesn't realize what she does to our narrative. Or at least not so to not- the level... Or... Because there is a line later on that suggests that they are like together mutually. Yeah. Um, that's but right. I think he, he's just like, I can't express this. You could never understand what you mean to me because like words can't express it. Like I can't tell you. Right. You have to so, feel. So intense it. is this feeling. It's beyond yeah. words. Yeah. Um. And so then, yeah. Verse. Is it really verse two? It's sort of like a pre-chorus. Isn't I think it? it's a pre-chorus. Yeah. Yeah. It's the pre-chorus. When you hold me and your arms so tight, you let me know. Everything's all right. Yeah, that's not even like that's just description of an event, really. Um, yeah, that's there's no metaphor there. It rhymes, that's, and it's a thing that's happening. And I if, find your embrace reassuring. Like, <laughs> I think, like more generally, um, yes, the physical embrace, but also just like the 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 feeling of being with this person feels like a warm embrace. Mm. Which is, uh, interestingly enough, one way I've heard um, heroin use described. Anyway. 
Ah, um, an embrace. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I, think, I, yeah, I don't think that's necessarily right. part of the metaphor, but maybe. Yeah, and then he says, "I, I, I'm hooked on a feeling, high on believing that you're in love with me." So hooked and high, like we've already mentioned, references to addiction. Yep, it's all there. Drug use. It's not hidden. High on the belief. On the belief. Yeah, yeah. it's not actually the like. He doesn't have factual knowledge that she's in love with him, but right. So I guess that's like the one potentially deeper thing uh, that it doesn't like dig into or really consider, but maybe mentions it probably just for the rhyme, but. Like, the idea that you can never really know what another person's thinking. So, like, just the fact that he, he believes it's true is mm-hmm. enough. Right, and, and relating that to the, to the, the bridge, I, I mean, I'll talk about it now, and we'll come back to it. All the good love when we're all alone. Keep it up, girl. Yeah, you turned me on. So, obviously, they're, they're getting intimate. Yeah. And, but that, does, that itself does not necessarily connote love. Right, but he like, believes it's he believes true it. love. Because it feels like the real thing. So, you know what? That's enough for him to get high. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. Lips as sweet as candy. The taste stays on my mind. Girl, you keep me thirsty for another cup of wine. Boom. Two things that you can potentially have addiction problems with. Candy and wine. Yeah. He's always thinking of the taste of this candy, which is her lips. Mm-hmm. And he always wants more and also yeah, wants to drink more thirsty. wine. Also, use of thirsty b- before it became popular for, you know, being horny. Yeah, so there you go. There you go. He's a thirsty yeah, boy. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's a, perhaps a little obsessed, a little addicted yeah. to this feeling, this sensation of love. Yeah, supports the metaphor. Uh, and then hear the controversial verse. Ooh. I got it bad for you, girl, but I don't need a cure. I'll just stay addicted and hope I can endure. Um, where he actually literally uh, says addiction. Of course, this is hooked before. So again, it wasn't subtle before, but it's no, but this more, is more explicit. Um, yeah, much more. Although it's interesting, I don't know uh, where like addiction treatment was at this time, but I feel like it was not where there's more understanding now of addiction being like more of like a mental illness, basically, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to like whatever other interpretations there have been. So this is the late 60s talking about addiction as if it's like more a thing that happens to you than something that you bring upon yourself right i don't need a cure suggests something similar to not a mental illness but a physical ailment yeah which i don't know i thought that was like a little interesting uh but again probably just for the rhyme yeah hope i can endure um but anyway if you get enough of those probably just for the rhyme you start to wonder yeah what are we what are we doing here well you know you got a deadline 5 p.m. You need to have three hit songs written. Ah, what rhymes with endure? Um, but yeah, so he he knows he knows he's hooked, um, but he doesn't seem to care. Yeah, he's he's accepted that reality, and he just hopes that he can he, you know hang on. Love is a a wild ride, and so he hopes he can take the ups and the downs. <sighs> Love is a wild ride. Is that a song? Um, it's about to be, baby. We're writing it right here, live on air. 
live on recorded air. Right. No, we're not. No, we're, we're talking not. about the bridge here. All the good love when we're all alone. Keep it up, girl. Yeah, you turned me on. It is a song. Um, turn me on being not like, you know, I mean, I guess to some extent you aroused me, but I think more in the old terms where it was like, wasn't about having a boner turning me on, you know? Like just generally get excited? Yeah. You mean? Yeah, like this really turned me on. Because obviously they're already like alone. And yeah. having good love. Yeah. So to say, like, keep it up, girl. You turn me on is like, well, yeah, we're having sex, bro. Like, <laughs> obviously, like, yeah, this I mean, turns you on. Of course. It's a weird line in that if if you'd use this today in a keep it up, girl, yeah, you turn me on in a modern song, it wouldn't be out of place. It would just read a lot differently, I think. Probably. It kind of passes so fast. And when you hear stuff like that in old songs, for me anyway, it just, it doesn't like register as anything other than just like really straightforward and it doesn't, doesn't come off as racy. Yeah, it really doesn't. I don't know if it was racy at the time. I feel like that would be in an Archie comic. Yeah. And then we'd see it nowadays and be like, ah, look at those old Archie comics. They're getting getting pretty randy. But it's like, hmm, was it though? It oh, yeah. didn't necessarily like mean the same Batman thing. Like an old Batman comic where Joker says boner. Yeah. And they say boner a lot. I'm like, ah. <laughs> boner. Boner. That's the best. Um, That's all of the lyrics. Yeah. I mean. Yep. I double checked. I mean, that's yeah, They're all there. Girl. That's all of them. Yeah, you turned me on. He's encouraging the behavior. Exactly. So, look at that. Um, we're going to encourage ourselves to get better at making segues from here on <laughs> out. But we're also going to look at the instrumentation in this. And what was probably more racy than this lyrics was the inclusion of an electric sitar. Was that racy? I don't know. I just, I just know that people in the 60s were racist, so I don't know. Fair enough. This was what, 69? 68. 68, 69. So, like, it's not like sitars hadn't been in pop music up to this point, right? Right. Like, the Beatles existed. The uh, Beatles. They did things with sitars. Um, mm-hmm. Probably in, like, Norwegian Wood or something like that. I can't remember. I'm blanking. Yeah, it's either that or like nowhere. Show man. a few episodes yeah. back. Like, apparently, I would need to listen to Rubber Soul. Uh, but yeah, yeah. so like the sitar had been around. Is the electric sitar that different? It doesn't sound that different to me. Um, no, but I don't know a lot about sitar to begin with. So. Maybe it was an electric sitar in the Beatles songs. Anyway, the Beatles used sitars a fair amount. Oh yeah, several times. Several times, but they so, were also British. So you know, true. Maybe this is the American. Awakening, but I also feel like did the Beach Boys use sitars? I don't know, dog. Anyway, did they? Did they? Ah, never listened to Smile. So, <laughs> was that the album that didn't get released? Smile. Yeah, I think there's some demos you can hear from it, but yeah, it yeah, 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 yeah. One of them playing possibly a role. Yes. Further cover. Versions. Yep. That is. That is. Uh, that will come up again. That's right. But right now what's coming up is a foreshadowing electric, electric sitar. Intro. Yeah. So there is an electric sitar intro, very different from the later intros, which is more like iconic. Um I actually yeah. thought considering that the electric sitar was called out specifically in in some of the descriptions, um not that much sitar in this song. 
No, it hits the intro and like comes back a little bit later, but it's yeah. not a focal point. It does like kind of a solo. Yeah. For a bit. And some occasional like occasional like yeah. little licks after some lines. That's true. Um but not actually it's not actually in it that much. No. This whole version's fairly sparse. Of course, of course, especially compared to later versions, which have such a heavy rhythmic focus. Yeah. Like, this one's simple drums. You got some organ fills, um, a little descending pattern. A lot of descending. come in here and there. Um, like, particularly you get on the verse, like, there's the descending pattern, and it got, it's got that sound of, like, always going down, which is, I think, mm-hmm. some, it's like an auditory illusion sort of thing. It's not actually always descending. Uh, it's kind of right. like the, the stairs in Mario that always sound like That's they're going exactly up. exactly what I pictured. <laughs> but it's going down instead. Um, so that actually happens kind of a few times throughout the song. Um, yeah, that's all. That's all I'd say about that. And an organ, too. Get that going on. Actually, yeah, I did have one organ. other thing to say. I'm sorry. You're talking mm-hmm. about it being sparse. Possibly sli- somewhat out of necessity. Uh, it doesn't sound like, uh, for 68, certainly, like the highest quality recording. Um, okay, fair enough. Cause, uh, so maybe they wouldn't have been able to put as much stuff in it. Right. Um, it's also like, I, I think they're focusing on, I mean, it's, it's hard to talk about this without thinking about, you know, the version, like the blue right. version, which is big energy. But, uh, I mean, the word that comes to my mind here is like euphoria. This guy's talking about the euphoria of love and, and, and that sensation can be energetic, but it can also be sort of like a, just an upbeat contentment right you can just be content and euphoric. yeah he's kind of like got his head in the clouds he's like kind of flighty about it and just thinking and yeah distracted maybe but not like really he's not like pumping his fist exactly he's just like taking it easy and and basking in this 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 love that he's experienced and that's kind of what drives this version is that relaxed euphoric take yeah it does definitely feel a little more relaxed. Um, it's also got some organ. It mostly just like plays some chords. Um, it, it's kind of the, it's like the ambient synth role. Uh, yeah, of that, the 60s. That organs fill that role. Strings fill that role. Um, nowadays, mostly synthesizers fill that role. And actually strings quite a bit now that I'm thinking about it. Um, depending on the genre. But um, yeah. the organs here, it's it's not it doesn't have that like bluesy crunch. It's really more like a church organ thing, and not even not like a big pipe organ or anything, but like uh, like electric church organ. Yeah. Um, and yeah, even coming into the the chorus, which again is a huge moment in later versions. Here it's just pretty chill. It goes up a bit on the vocals, true. but it's all. It's all just groovy, man. We're just, you know, we're in a boat on the river, just taking a lazy day. Yeah, he's also, um, his transition, I mean, it's not the iconic transition yet, but he, it's similar in that he, like, holds, I hooked on a feeling. Holds, right, holds yeah. The I, so you, and then later on, they kind of do stuff with that. But, yeah, they do a little, like, descending kind of pattern with it. Yeah. Um, uh, We get some, like, auxiliary percussion on the second verse is that the cowbell cowbell yeah i believe that is the cowbell 
Yes, they start to play that cowbell. Uh, oh, there are actually strings here. Yeah, um, there are that come in. It's kind of funny because in this version, like the strings come in here and replace the organ, and then later on the organ comes back, and there's kind of some strings at the end, so it's like it's kind of like trading off, even though they're really filling the same role. Yeah, and I don't know if it's necessarily changing it in a meaningful way. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, in the way that it's... We noticed it. I mean, that's... True. That's, I guess it, it <laughs> is, like, a bit of a build. Right? Yeah, and, like, the, the strings are a little, you know, sharper, whereas the, the organ kind of falls in the back of a bit. You kind of really hear the strings. So it is a different fill. Although they are kind of doing the same thing. Yeah, very similar anyway. Yeah, um, we get a, a little fucking solo. This is, it's very brief, like, kind of sitar solo. Yeah, it's really just like an instrumental interlude, I guess, with a little room for the sitar to move. Playing really the... low, too. I thought it was maybe like a bass at first, but it's really doing that thing. Yeah, it's got that, that tone to it. Yeah. And then we get what's like, what in later versions will be the breakdown chorus. But in here is just a chorus just of another strings. Chorus. Yeah. yeah. Does it even have strings in this chorus? Oh, no, it's just before that the strings are there. My bad. <laughs> That's why I thought it was weird, because they go back to a chorus and just do it like the same as the other choruses. Yeah. Without even and then the after strings. that chorus, that we end with just like a 60s jam sesh. For just a bit. Yeah, it's, it's the musical interlude again from before. Yeah. Um, it's just a bit longer. And then it fades out. Yeah. So it's, it's like, it's fine. It definitely is, I mean, possibly just in comparison to the later ones. But it does feel like, like it has potential, but it's missing something. Yeah, and what, like it was still wildly successful in its time, but compared to yeah. what becomes of it, like it's it does feel a little empty. Yeah, I mean it's still like it's still the same words mostly, um, mm -hmm. and still like really fills that same um, kind of place in your soul, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. But but it um, but it's a different feeling. Yeah, it is. Hooked on a different feeling. Hooked on a different feeling. Um, especially yeah, I, with like, like I think... sorry. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's it does. I would say the appeal for me it it sounds old and uh like mellow, and and yeah, I do like that kind of aesthetic generally. Um, so I think that's good. But just yeah, knowledge of the later now... versions being so much more distinct and, and I guess, iconic, um, it's, it's hard to um, make an argument for this version, even really, though I do like, like parts of it. The novelty cover of itself now, now that <laughs> the other versions have overtaken it in pop culture. Yeah, in a weird way, even though it came first. Yeah, but yeah, like he does have a nice mellow voice. I like the electric sitar. I think it's cool, even though it's not... Yeah. There all the time. Except maybe that's good, because maybe if it was, it'd be like, well, it's too much electric guitar, man. Yeah, like, simmer down Chill out. the electric guitar, Reggie Young. Jesus. <laughs> Come on, Reg. Come on, Reg. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you. It's uh, It holds an odd place, thanks to what comes after it. Mm -hmm. Um, And what comes after it 
as many cover versions, starting in 1971 with Jonathan King. Jonathan King. This is a guy we've talked about before. He also wrote the first English translation of Gloria, uh, which was later more successfully uh, covered and translated in the um, Laura Branigan version. Yeah, that's right. So that's a that's an older episode that we did quite a while ago. Don't listen to the raw and glory episode. They're right next to each other. They're right next <laughs> to each other. You watch the you look at the artist in those episode titles. Yes. Um so he did that one. It was um not great, honestly. This is actually, interestingly enough, very similar to what we saw last week uh mm-hmm. with Torn, where this is a uh, cover early cover version that introduces pretty much all of the elements that then go on to be refined in another later cover that then becomes the iconic cover that's right this yeah it's like beat for beat what happened last week um except this time with a a pedophile doing the the yes version instead of somebody married to a norwegian adventurer yeah much less interesting this was such a, like, I can't, I can't believe I forgot that we talked about him on the the Laura Branigan episode, Gloria, yeah, but I was this... reading his Wikipedia profile this week, and I was like, oh, wow, holy shit, it's like he discovered and named Genesis, the band, yeah, not the the book of the Bible, and <laughs> produced their first album. He's done all this production work, and then, like, right at the bottom, it's like, in 2001, September, he was sentenced to seven years in prison for uh, sexual abuse. You're like, oh, my God. Ah. Uh, uh... Yeah. Yeah, hits you right at so, the end. So he brings in most importantly the, the the what is in this version the unga chaka. Oh. Uh, what what he calls a reggae rhythm by male voices. Um, and there's two potential sources people have named for where he might have pulled this this sort of rhythm because two things sound very similar. Right. And they're both kind of racist. Yep. Um, the first being the the 1959 hit by Johnny Preston, Running Bear. which is about um, two, two indigenous people. It's like a Romeo and Juliet between two in- indigenous groups, I'm pretty sure, right? I, I, did, I didn't look that listen. one up. I didn't look that one up. Okay, well, if you, if you listen to it, yeah, it's got this... Uh, I, I mean, I, I will not repeat, but it's similar to this one. It's, <laughs> it's got a vocal uh, rhythm going through it that sounds similar to what we all know and love from this version. And then the other possible source is the Beach Boys... Uh, hit song <laughs> uh do you like worms which is about like colonizing america it's it was i read the lyrics it was very unclear for me whether it was where where it sat on in terms of colonizing america whether it was a good thing or not yeah i didn't look into the lyrics honestly i just listened to that part a little bit which like i can see similarities i guess yeah um, I don't know. Yeah, 
just a just a weird period of time. Yeah. Um, the, running Bear super racist. The Beach Boys do you like worms? Weird name one, and there's a lot of talk on its page about just like like random people like where where in the song does it say anything about fucking worms? It's not the title. Like just people getting mad about it, like, <laughs> like during the creation process. But not a lot of talk about the actual content of the song. Yeah, I'm curious now to read about this. I didn't realize there was so much controversy. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, and people can't even, don't even remember who named it. Do you like worms? And then when it's eventually, because uh, Brian Wilson, I think, does it on a solo album. This song and renames it to Roll Plymouth Rock. Yeah, for Brian Wilson presents Smile, which is his take on, of course, the unreleased Beach Boys album, which we talked uh, like briefly about a little earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that's all, all this it's say, all very interesting all very uh, interesting not a lot of it relates to this Jonathan no. King's Ungachaka Ungachaka which is what it opens with just yeah. that and then his vocals coming over top yeah so so it's totally acapella the fairly mm-hmm. recognizable part um really the difference it, it feels more intense yeah like they're really digging into it um mm-hmm. Yeah, like the blue sweet version sounds more like performance, like like popier, I guess, in some sense. Yeah, this sounds like they this... just called some dudes off the street, and they're not really selling it. I, in my opinion, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel yeah, it doesn't sound is... natural. Hey, fella, it's five bucks if you come in here and, and <laughs> grunt into a microphone. For a couple minutes. Yeah, so again, similar to what ended up happening last week it's hard to talk about this earlier cover without bringing up the blue swede version yeah because there are a lot of similarities um and should we just do them both at once maybe we're also talking about blue swede in 1973 with bjorn skiffs at the lead for vocal So Blue Swede was a Swedish rock band led by Bjorn Skiffs, Swedish singer, songwriter, actor, and screenwriter. This band existed from 1973 to 1975, and they heavily based their version on the Jonathan King version. Yes. Um, but it sounds a lot better, in my opinion. Yes. <laughs> For a couple of reasons. Way better. I mean, just, just so off the start. So we got the Yugachakas. It's all acapella. Um, in the Jonathan King version, like I said, it sounds very forced. The, the Blue Swede version slows it down a little bit. And mm-hmm. another one, another thing I would compare it to, or something we talked about a couple weeks ago, in Cowboy Song, uh, mm-hmm. about how in the Thin Lizzy version, it really sounds like they're relaxing into the parts. And it feels very natural. Uh, and that's how I think... Uh, the performances in the Blue Swede version sound compared to the Jonathan King version. The Jonathan King version sounds very, like, uptight. Versus the Blue Swede version is much more laid back and feels more natural. Yeah, and, like, it's a larger performance on them. They they feel natural and they feel bigger when they perform. It's like, oh, yeah, this is some music. Also, it was... 
Bjorn Skiff's voice is like way better. Jonathan King's way it's kind of like better. it's just like this like kind of high delicate voice. It's the sort of voice that I hear. I'm like, oh, I hope I don't sound like that. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's not like again like Bjorn Skiff's like really hits it. It's a it's a good voice. It's not like it's super deep, but he's got like a it carries. He's got a lot of a lot yeah. of weight behind it. I mean, it's pretty iconic for this version, um, and recognizable. But like, it, it's pretty distinctive too. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? The other thing uh, we talked about with Torn that's similar to this is that there's kind of a lot of more extra stuff in the Jonathan King version. Um, and then the Blue Swede version really takes the good things and and makes them better, refines them. Right. Um, so, like, there's an organ that is pretty prominent in the Jonathan King version. And there is still an organ in the Blue Swede version, but it's yeah, it's toned down a little bit. Whereas in, in the, um, the, the Jonathan King version, it's very, it's like this wavering rotary sound, which is even a little mm-hmm. bit more of that, like, harsher bluesy organ as compared to the original. Um, and then in the Blue Sweet yeah. version, it kind of hangs in the background and, and sort of ties in with the, the overall sound a little better, too. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to see that that organ comes in on the When You Hold Me line in just about every version that comes after here. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, it's, it's, al- it's almost bluesy church-like in the Jonathan King version. Yeah. It's really starting to command some presence there that it doesn't really need to take. Yeah, they also continue also, with the Uga Chakas mm-hmm. a little bit later, I think. Yeah. Now I'm trying to remember where they cut off in the Blue Swede version. Mm-hmm. They stick around for the pre-chorus? Um, let me see here. Yeah, I think they carry all the way to the, to right, the chorus. Because he goes completely a cappella until the chorus. Um, right. Okay. Um, big thing to note before we get into that chorus is yes. what is the, the the transition, which is the two big beats on the drum and the bass slide, plus the eye holding the eye and kind of like ah, ah the descending, boom, followed boom, by boom, boom, boom. and then the on a and then into the horns riff. So the horns riff is also in the Jonathan King version originally. That's right. Um, pretty recognizable. Again, I just feel like everything in the Blue Swede version just fits together a little better. Yeah, and so and there is a guitar that comes in on the Jonathan King version that's very reggae. In yeah, style. on the backbeat there. Yeah, is that present in kind like they hit some of the same notes, but there's not that focus. Yeah, on... no, I don't, I don't think so. I wouldn't say it's it's not the same guitar part. Um, no, it's kind of in the. In the Blue Sweet version, it's more like, um, like just kind of like a groove in the background. It's not really playing that like strict backbeat skank thing. Yeah, it's doing some like kind of muted playing, some like yeah. But it's yeah, it's not necessarily reggae style though, like reggae influenced. But it it breeds as rock pop. More yeah. Than anything else? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, there, I think. There's like a weird thing he does. I'm trying to remember when it comes in 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 the Jonathan King version where they like continue with the Uga Chakas. Um, comes in on the second. It's later chorus. on, yeah, because in the first chorus, yeah. there's just backup vocals. Okay. Yeah. Right. They come back in that second verse and kind of stay yeah. in the back. 
um, which is not in the blue blue suede version at that point, which I think no. is a good move. It's a bit much. Mm-hmm. And what the blue suede actually a- a- adds on the end of the chorus is the hand claps. Clap, 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 clap. Boom, boom. So they do a, a big lead up to the next verse. So they they increase the energy. They increase the vibes on this. More vibes, yeah. More vibes. I wonder if, because in, in the Jonathan King version, there's like a quick guitar strum that goes like, beep, 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 beep. I wonder if that's kind of what they're emulating with the claps. Yeah, I guess. Eh, maybe not. No, I think those are <laughs> two different entities. Yeah, they, they happen around the same time, but it's not really the same thing. Yeah. So in the yeah in the Jonathan King version you get uh like guitar doing licks on the second verse while the the Ungachakas come back. Um, yeah, still getting that that um, backbeat rhythm on the guitar too. Um, it's actually yeah. it's the same guitar, so it's playing those, uh, playing that backbeat and then between the lines it plays little licks. Mm-hmm. And then horns are also back for the second half. Yeah, because that second verse and. Like, we didn't say it explicitly, but the second verse is twice as... Hang on. Am I reading this right? Oh, hang on. I don't know, Alex. Yeah, the second verse is twice as long as the first, kind of. Because the first verse has that pre-chorus, really. So, right. if you look at a verse as two lines, it's kind of three verses. Aren't they the same length? Cause he's just got two stanzas. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, because if you know the way he sings is, I can't stop this feeling, and then lips as sweet as candy, and then got a bug from you, girl. Versus when you yeah, hold yeah, me yeah. in your arm, which yeah, yeah, comes yeah, up yeah. again later. Oh, right. So yeah. All the good love. Yeah. So it's different musically. Yeah, it is different musically. You're correct, Alex. Um, and most importantly. Uh, Got a Bug from You Girl is changed in the uh, Blue Swede version. Yes. It's a new line. Very similar. Very similar. Uh, but they changed it a bit. Almost, I would think, perhaps just misheard it. Because it sounds, sounds very similar. Um, I don't know. I think this might be to specifically avoid the word addiction. Oh, maybe. And that, that seemed to be what they were, uh, they, the, the internet community thought. So got a bug from you, girl, but I don't need no cure. I'll just stay a victim if I can, for sure. Yeah. Again, referring to uh, a, a victim of addiction. Mm-hmm. Interesting for the early 70s. Yeah. If I can, for sure. I also think like rhyming with for sure is such a, a scramble for a rhyme. <laughs> That it feels like somebody told them. I don't know what the culture was like in, in Sweden at the time regarding addiction, let alone in the fucking states. But it seems like they're like, we can't be using the word addiction because it'll, like, you know, they're going to say, oh, a parental advisory on this or something. So they needed they to. They definitely get away didn't have present addiction. parental advisory stickers in the 70s. But sure. I don't know if, if they would, like, just not sell it or what. Or not play it on the radio, maybe. Not played on the radio, exactly. There was some reason, I feel, that they couldn't have the word addiction in there. That hooked was fine, because you can hook a fish. But addiction was like, mm, this is my right. drugs now. Right. It's just not a metaphor anymore. It's, it's way too literal. 
Yeah. A bug. Yeah, don't even Because, like, they evict for them. sure, like, that's a rhyme I would use improvising a song. <laughs> right, because it's an easy, it's, like, easy as short, and you can fit it yeah. anywhere. Like, it's a filler, right? Yeah, that's, that's practically freestyling at that point. <laughs> it seems to me that they, they needed to do something there. It's also, like, um, the way it's written. Like, if I can, but then there's sort of the implied, like, if I can be in a relationship with you, like, for sure, like... <laughs> right so the subject is kind of far away from that to be mm-hmm. speaking so vaguely but it works fine in the context of the song yeah works fine like you said like it passes by so quickly i didn't even notice it until this week i was like oh yeah. oh yeah okay <laughs> yeah it's 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 vague but like it it works in a song context for sure mm-hmm. in a song where half of the lines are apparently just built f- for rhymes like yeah yeah fine. If I can, just, it's sure. just another line built for a rhyme. It fits perfectly. Yeah, exactly. So that's the big change there. Um... Yes. Um, let's see. Another comparison. So there's one weird part. Well, there's a few things uh, in the Jonathan King version. Uh, they kind of do a fake-out ending they, at the end of a right. chorus, uh, and then it just leads into another pre-chorus. Right. It all it. Oh no! I'm listening to the Blue Swede version. That's why it's not matching up. Okay. <laughs> and then into the all the good love part, more Uga Chakas. Um, mm-hmm. But then it goes right into the chorus, and it comes back. Oh no! Sorry, it goes into a pre-chorus. I think or it plays the beginning of a verse on the strings only. I'm totally mixed around here. I'm sorry. No worries. Uh, so that yeah, that breakdown does, a, does what's basically yeah, a breakdown reprise uh, of the pre-chorus, and that comes back in just about every version. Like it was almost there in the original, but there was just no nothing to break down really. Yeah, they just kind of do that like jam thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of that, leading into the chorus, yeah, it like kind of. Right. It breaks down, and then the bass seems to come in very, very suddenly. It's like, it's weird. It's like right at the beginning of the chorus, it's like 156. Okay, it, to me, it just seems to like crash back in this like very, very suddenly. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it is a very yeah, abrupt almost like I noted that as well. Almost like they kept playing and just muted everything, and then just like click, turned it back on. Right. I'm like, just, yeah, spliced it. So yeah. That it went... Um. Yeah, but part of it, I think, part of it is that like tightness of this version versus the laid back feeling in the some of the later ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Yeah, it's uh Yeah, but it's it's definitely like odd and a bit jarring. But it, you don't feel the same thing in the blue suede version, possibly just because it's a bit slower. Yeah, it's the it takes its time. It's uh and everything from the the vocals on Jonathan King to the guitar is all like thin. It's all uh, you know very tight, like you said. Whereas there's a little bit more breathing room on the Blue Suede version. Yeah, yeah, and for several reasons, but in particular, yeah, the mix feels a little wider and like a warm embrace. Yeah, and like the whole gang's in on it. Like I, like the backing vocals guys. When we all do the big I, 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 I'm hooked on a feeling. Got the hand claps. It's it's sort of more welcoming in that sense. Because everyone's a part of it. 
Because mm-hmm. Every, everyone understands. Because it's this, like, univer- allegedly universal thing. Yeah. Or that's how it's presented by the song, anyway. Exactly. And it's then, like, as a, yeah. one universal experience. Yeah. They're all in it together. And, and just and everything sounds better from the... And has more time, like, from that transition with the, the two big drum beats and the the bass slide like in the Jonathan King version it's like boom 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 but on this one it's like boom 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 yeah we're taking the time with it brother it's- yeah it really i think embodies in a lot of ways um something that we said last week or i think i might have even said it personally um about torn about how the Natalie and Brulia version just felt more confident with what it had mhm and the Blue Sweet version feels a lot more confident with what it has, and it can present it in a way that feels better. Yeah. It, and, I, and yeah, they do a better job. Yeah, 100%. And it really is just a matter of, like, taking your time seems to be one of the big key differences. They slowed it down a bit, and it lets what, what are strong parts of the, the King version actually be strong, rather than just kind of brush past them. Yeah, so... Way to go. I mean, there's a reason this is the iconic version that people remember. Mm-hmm. It's because it sounds pretty damn good. And there's some cowbell in here, so, hey. <laughs> yeah, right on. Get it. Get it. Get you some cowbell, yeah. Yeah, great version. We don't need to tell you that. You've heard this song yeah. every day of your life since 2014. <laughs> Not earlier. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, coming up next, though, we're moving way into the distant year of 1996 to talk about Trombo Combo. Trombo Combo, another repeat um, appearance. Yeah, when did we talk about that? I before? can't get you out of my head was when we talked about them before. So it's it's kind of weird because they have on Spotify they have two albums that both have the same art that have minor yeah. like coloration differences and don't and have recording differences. They have similar track listing. I didn't actually listen to the tracks to see if they were the same song or not, but mm-hmm. not exactly the same track listing. Yeah. And well, um, the thing is, is the version I originally had on here, which was from the self-titled album, um, at around the three-minute mark, it starts getting this like audio chopping. Yeah, that's and, the one I listened to for sure when I took my notes. Yeah, and so when I like I, I heard that, I stopped it, and then I was like, let me go to a YouTube video and see if this is like a thing on their end. And then I listened to that. I was like, oh no, it's like this is something wrong with this file. Oh. So then I went to their page and then I grabbed the one off Swedish Sound Deluxe, which I think is like the actual name of the album. <laughs> right. And then that version is fine. So then I threw that one on the list instead. Oh, okay. But yeah, th- there's a weird choppiness that occurs. Yeah, it's three, like it's uh, it's basically like did it's like it's digital skipping. It sounds like a CD skipping. Yeah. <laughs> so like the file got fucked up at some point. Um, I do have that mentioned in my notes. It didn't take that much away from it. I, I thought it was on purpose. Because <laughs> I was like, why would you have a file that's this shitty on Spotify? But I guess not. Yeah. Now, Alex, you would. do we know anything about 
Trombo Combo? Aside um, from the fact that they're Swedish? Yeah, they're a Swedish jazz pop group uh, okay. that we talked about a little while ago. Um, they also did a cover of Can't Get You In My Head. Uh, it's kind of like this dark lounge jazz thing mm-hmm. that uh, often has some, some cool bass. Yeah. Now this one, I really enjoyed some of the, the ways they they took elements of you know the previous two versions and made it their own weird thing. So we open with like just the sound of ocean waves. Yes, it's like ocean wave sound effects. And then whispered oh, is the, the yes, <laughs> yeah. The and it's not a rhythm because they just kind of do it. It's like oh, it's hilarious. I love it. It's so, so much. It's fucking funny as hell. <laughs> I love it. Ooga-chaka. It's just, yeah, very softly whispered. Um, and then, the, like, slow drums and these just, like, electric piano chords. Yeah. And, like, w- yeah, electric piano chords and then just a little bit of, li- like, noodles in the back. Right, yeah. Descending, like, guitar. It's almost like like Zora's Domain or something, you know? Yeah, it's that kind of a feeling. So I guess it's that laid-back aquatic music. Yeah, Aquatic, yes. Uh, also interesting, that descending pattern. One, we talked about the original song having a lot of descending patterns. Um, this one seems to go between like a guitar and a harp. Mm-hmm. So they kind of trade off. They just do the same thing, but they alternate playing the same part. And then like a, yeah. li- a little bit of piano, very sparse piano. That's right. Yeah, this one, it, this is like a very mellow version. We talked about the Blue Swede version being a little bit more mellow than the previous one, than the Jonathan King version, and like more laid back, but it's still pretty active. This is like very chill. Yeah, it's like almost more laid back than the original BJ Thomas version. Yeah, well, I'd say they're both, I'd say it's more laid back, but a different kind of laid back. Yeah, because there is a little more instrumentation going on. Yeah. And what is interesting is we only get about half of the lyrics in here because they trade off from her singing to just instrumental verse. Yeah, particularly later on. So, like, the first verse, she sings, uh, Mm -hmm. like, very close mic, actually fairly low singing, like, frequency. I think it's transposed down a little bit just to maybe make it feel a little chill or or something. Um, But then, I guess... um, yeah, then once it gets into the pre-chorus, no singing. It's all just on the guitar. And kind of the harmony from the strings. Even mm-hmm. the transition, the I. Uh, that's all on the horns. So Yeah. And of course, I'm assuming those horns are trombones. Trombo combo. It's got to be, right? All right? Like- it's got to be. And the horns play pretty low, too. Like, they stick around. We go into the chorus. They play the riff. Dun, dun, yeah. dun, dun, but it's it feels low. Everything feels very low. Yeah, whereas in the Blue Swede version, they're bombastic. Yeah. Bah, bah, da, da. These ones are quite soft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just a wildly different take on some very similar elements, mm. and it's it makes for a very cool version. I wrote. I wrote a note about this, the, the strings being pretty, and I don't know if I meant they were pretty or pretty something, and I just missed them. Right, you, you were forgetting. I think they're pretty. I would argue they're, yeah. Yeah, they kind of got like an old school, uh, old cinema vibe, kind of high strings. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the strings take us into 
is it a saxophone or is it a trombone? Um, I believe there are trombones and saxophones in this song. So you're talking which part are you talking about? Um, right after that string section, so around like one thirty-four. So yeah, it's like a pre-chorus, I believe, an instrumental pre-chorus. Yeah, that I believe right. is the saxophone. Yeah. It's really captured that like, like resort vibe. Yes, it's like a like seaside, the... like guy in a white suit playing a gentle saxophone in like a, an open air lounge kind of thing. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. White suit, pattern, pattern shirt, button up underneath. You know, you know how it is. I know how it is. <laughs> um, uh, and then of course that's another pre-chorus leads back into a chorus, which I think is the same. And then there's actually a saxophone solo. Mm-hmm. Now it's the saxophone solo at the start, at least. I think it might transfer to other horns later on. Yeah, I think that's correct. I th- that might actually be later in this song. It's just not very long. Yeah. Cause, that's right, because we get the sort of lead up after the yeah. she does a chorus there, and then we get a little bit of sax. She actually does a pre-chorus, too. She actually sings a That's pre-chorus right. and in the end. And then they do another mm-hmm. horns transition, and then a chorus, and then kind of the outro. And I think that's what I was thinking of. Because the horns then play a chorus, and then the, sac- like the, right. the probably trombones play a chorus, and then kind of trade off with the saxophone. And that's where the skipping starts. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, if you go on the, the non-skipping version, it's just like a... <laughs> A chill instrumental ride out. Like she does some ad lib vocals, you get some trombone, and I think we end on the whispered vocals and, and beach sounds again. The waves. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you get so it kind of just reverses the intro, leads us out of the song. It's definitely a very like flows in, flows out kind of thing. Like waves, man. Like waves, man. Um yeah, this was dope. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, a yeah, really fun version. similar to what they did in um, "Can't Get You Out of My Head," uh, that kind of like dark lounge jazz thing. But it's a pretty mm-hmm. solid aesthetic, and they pull it off reasonably well. Yeah, they do. So okay, it wouldn't it's a be very... out of place in Super Mario Sunshine. Is all I'm saying. No, it's like sunset, sunset music. It's it. They mm-hmm. they create a very pleasant soundscape. They do. Um. Also, uh, w- one way I thought of it was as an ensemble performance, where it's kind of a, a three-part, tr- um, I wanted to say duet, but no, a <laughs> uh, three-part song where they trade off between a singer, um, trombones, and then a saxophone, and sort of and the saxophone. go between them. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like just a multi-part song like right. that, but that. there's only one that's actually a singer. That's right. So a bit of a jazz sensibility applied there. Where everybody gets their their solo in the sun, right? Yeah, there's definitely a jazz sensibility in this song. For sure. You know what doesn't have a jazz sensibility is this next one. I'm going to say Gron Walls. It's obviously wrong, but Just... Gron Walls, 1999. I'm hooked on a feeling. Yeah, I'm high on believing that you're in. I'm also going to say Gronwalls, um, or maybe Vols. Vols. Uh, they're also Swedish. Yeah, a, a dance band. Dance band. Dance band. 
Um, uh, I like how the Swedish on the dance page band championship. Like, uh, known as dance band in Sweden. And if you look at it, it's like, or like dance band with an E, D A N S E band S-E. in like Norway. I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right. I guess, that, I guess that's different. Norway. <laughs> um, also, apparently they announced the comeback in 2009, but I can't find any evidence of that happening. Right. Maybe it's still yet to come. Yeah, maybe they're still working on it. Very hard. <laughs> Very hard. Um, dance band music is often danced to in pairs. Jitterbug and Foxtrot music are often included in this category. The music is primarily inspired by swing, schlager, country, schlager. jazz, and rock. The main influence for rock-oriented bands is the rock music of the 1950s and 60s. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. This one, it's like a bit twangy. A bit twangy? Yeah, there's you know? a bit of country in this. So it definitely has a country feeling to me. Especially for... 1999 i think that was around the right time this feels like what i would imagine country in 1999 was pop country yeah so it's it's odd especially considering that it's swedish yeah so we get like an acoustic rhythm um this there's like a really electric country guitar that kind of plays some licks and then there's another one just doing some rhythm notes some bono Kind of playing along with the bass. Not at the, yeah. exactly the same, but similar. Yeah. So we've got uh, a, lot of, a lot of two-note stings going on. Bono. Yep. Bono. Bono. Um, yeah, with those two chords. Yeah. Or notes. Excuse me. Um, um, another female wh- vocalist. Yes. And they switch up on the, the gender of some lyrics. They do. Keep it up, boy. Oh, keep it up, babe. And then uh, instead of girl, you don't know what you do to me. It's boy, you don't know what you do to me. Boy. Boy. <laughs> you don't know what you do to me. Um, they, uh, they also change the structure a little bit. And I'm trying to think. It's yeah, not it much. to the, uh, the lips as sweet as candy one yeah, after they the slide. first verse. If you think of it as three verses, the first two verses yeah. happen consecutively. With nothing in between them, and then they go into pre-chorus, mm-hmm. chorus, and then into the other verse. So basically, That's they right. just split them up in a different way. They put the first two together instead of the second two. That's right. Um, which we see all the time in pop songs. You do a couple verses before you go into the chorus. You know? Yeah. You got to get that information a, B, out. A and structure. if you put a chorus between them all, it would be like eight minutes long. Not this song, but some examples. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't have a pop song longer than three oh five. That's exactly right. The entertainer law. Which this one's only three oh two, so it's all good. So they're they're clear. Um Yeah, there's some like guitar picking going on. For oh yeah. Well actually what I noticed was like there's some guitar picking and it happens during the verses. Mm-hmm. Just picking out the notes and like kinda lets them ring a little bit. Uh, and then during the pre-chorus, that moves forward in the mix and like plays a little more faster, I think. Yeah. A little faster. I said a little more and then a little faster, but I combined them. So it sounded like I said more, more faster, faster, which kind of, I didn't want. I just wanted you to know more, I didn't say more faster. faster. Exactly. I didn't pause enough. Ugh. Classic. <sighs> There's a bit of like, like acoustic drumming, which is to say not a kit drum, like hand drums. Oh, hand drums, yeah. Um, there's a couple of hand drums. I didn't pick up on hand drums, I don't think. It's just like a... And there's not a lot of it. It's just like a... Just a little bit? 
Yeah, just like a touch of it. Okay. Hardly noteworthy, but it's there. Um, it's all pretty mellow. It is pretty mellow. Um, without having the same like lived-in feeling of the better mellow versions. Yeah. I, I this one didn't appeal to me all that much. It just felt like very straightforward, like kind of turn of the millennium pop country thing. Yeah, if I was Simon Cowell, I'd call yeah. it karaoke. You know, he'd always call. Certain, it does feel karaoke, karaoke, doesn't performances. it? Performances. It's kind of yeah. cheesy, you know. See, like this could be the the you know the royalty free karaoke track you get. It's, like minus it does the have that feeling to it. It doesn't. I think the singer does is pretty good. Does a pretty good job. There's not much to do in this song. Oh, yeah, and like fine at singing, not as expressive as uh, Bjorn Skiffs. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't. She doesn't get like some real twang into her voice until the the "Got It Bad for You, Darling" verse there, at around 105. Like a then little, she gets a bit of twang. I think maybe they leaned more into that country to give this version a bit of identity. More country. Yeah, they don't look very country. Uh, I guess maybe it doesn't matter if you're Swedish. I'm just looking at their picture on the album. Uh, oh yeah, they, they look very uh, in suits, be suited. Yeah, I just realized um, Bjorn Skiffs. And Gron Gronwells, I'm gonna say it because they have the same vowel. They have the same accent, mm. same uh, umlaut. Oh, so Bjorn yeah. Gronwells, let's call it. I'll call them that. I don't know if they would do the V for the W, but maybe I'll just say Gronwells. Hey, that's you're fucking doing mm. linguistics on the fly. How about man. that? How about that? It's called pattern recognition. Yeah, uh, baby. Yeah. That's so shit. This one is kind of boring. Yeah, to it's me, anyway. it, there's no real like the the chorus doesn't really go up. Um, yeah, it's they try to like mellow it out like the original, but it doesn't really read. I don't think. Yeah, and I was expecting more with uh, reading the term dance band. I was expecting like, more like heavy electronics. <laughs> yeah, me too. Which we'll get later. Oh but... yeah, we'll have our fill of that. <laughs> not damn right, but not to worry. Not here. Um, yeah, kind of, kind of a forgettable version. Yeah, and I, with that, yeah, you're gonna say one more thing, and then we're nope. gonna move on. Nope, not. Nope, you're fucking we're, we're just gonna move on. We're just gonna move on. Fuck it. You fucking say it. All right, we'll move on. Would you, you believe I, one, I, I forgot what I was gonna say anyway? Uh, yeah, I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll not forget this next performance. Nope. The Baja Men, Baja Lester Men. Adderley in 1999. Alex, thank you for finding the uh, the Spotify version. Yeah, it's tricky because, um, well, I, I imagine you were oh, searching Hooked on a Feeling on with a G. Yeah. Fuck! There it is. <laughs> this is Hooked on a Feeling. No G. Just an apostrophe. Mm-hmm. Um, so Baja Men. Baja Men. A, a long and storied music career. They formed in 1977 playing like hotels and nightclubs in the Bahamas. Yeah. I didn't sign to a record deal until 1991. I definitely noticed they have a lot of past members, a lot of current members too, but sure, like yeah. their lineups changed a lot over the years. They've just kind of keep mm -hmm. going. And then, like on top of that, they they signed to the Atlantic Records in 1991. Of course, they make Who Let the Dogs Out, huge success. 
and they for a while became like the music of cinema. Like they were in a lot of movies. They were in Shrek. They were in the Shrek soundtrack. The I remember watching Best Years of Our Lives on the Shrek DVD extras a lot. That's right. That was they had a, a music. I, we talked about that. Yeah, like a year or I two. So. Ago, I don't remember probably. why. Maybe we were talking about Shrek or something. But we were talking about Shrek or music videos or Shrek-based music videos <laughs> or who let the dogs out or something like uh, or something like it came up. But yeah, Shrek, Garfield the movie, The Hangover, Around the World in Eighty Days, Rat Race, Miss Congeniality, The Little Vampire, and Paris the movie. Like these guys were just in things musically. Yeah, I mean there was. Like, Who Let the Dogs Out seemed like such a, so exciting when I was young. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it was a pump-up jam. It was. And it, it's almost like it fits. It's not a children's song, but it almost sounds like it could be one, right? Oh, yeah, very easily. It's such, because a, it's... such a simple, like, Who Let the Dogs Out? And then the, like, hoo, hoo, that kind of sounds like hoo, barking. Hoo, hoo. It's like. Yeah. For, for me as a child, like, it was the perfect bridge between, you know, the. The like Sharon Lois and Bram that I listened to as a very young person to the you know pop music that I would listen to afterwards. So yeah, I, that that's, that's just great. me guessing. I don't know if that's actually true, but that's just well, yeah. Just this was about like it. this was music for me. It's I didn't like anything else probably except <laughs> Baja Men's Who Let the Dogs Who Out. Let the dogs out. Yeah, that was that was absolutely. Now, Alex, did you find anything on Lester Adderley? No, I actually didn't notice there was another artist Besides on this. Besides his gruesome murder? Okay, you need didn't, to find that. I, didn't, I forgot to look him up. But he doesn't have... Like, this is all he appears on. Yeah. Uh, is like this, a, a, this album, which is called 2000 from 1999. Yeah, he's a, ba- a Bahamanian artist. Uh, yeah. Was. He also owned a bar. Uh, he also had a son, Lester Adderley Jr. I'm assuming this is Lester Adderley Sr. Um, they were both shot to death oh, in the shit. same city, four years apart. Oh damn! His son passed before him, and he—he, he, I guess he owned a bar there, and he was killed one night after closing. Well, uh, that's an unfortunate story. I, a very unfortunate. Yes, I have to imagine that's probably why his music is not widely available on Spotify. Mm-hmm. If I imagine his his exists. music roots are are similar to uh, you know the Baja men, where a lot of it was just live performances, right? In, like in the in Bahamas. Bahamas. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he left us with this contribution to this version of Hooked on. Is he the singer? Which I'm going to know? assume so. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know for sure. Um, perhaps the best vocal rhythm. And perhaps the least racist, right here on the Bahamian track. And they pair it with hand drumming. Yeah. So it it works together. Yeah, lots of percussion on this version. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, because the hand drums are going, and Mm -hmm. then more percussion comes in, which I think is a drum machine at that point. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there's a kit later on, too. I'm not totally sure. I believe so. Um, but then the other thing they do in the intro, so they've got the Uga Chakas, mm-hmm. they've got the percussion that like gets more complex. And then they bring in a sample from the blue Swede version, which is the, yeah. um, the guitar solo from later on. That's right. Bam, 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 which is the horns part just played on the guitar. That's right. And it sounds like it's coming from a radio. Indeed it does. 
which so that in that way this version of hooked on a feeling is kind of similar to reservoir dogs mm-hmm. hmm. um, there you go what a connection to make. you're on fire how Alex. about that just one recognizing of patterns fuck <laughs> all over the place <laughs> all over the goddamn place um and so then we get at about like 20 seconds we get the vocals kicking in while the the you know the uh i mean the lead vocals yeah the other stuff's still going the mm-hmm. the rhythm and the ugachaka yeah not the solo but um then they also jump right into the second verse yeah they do like an abrupt vocals. stop and then uh like a symbol transition into the lips of sweet as candy verse yeah it does that kind of like bursting out yeah with like some chimes or something um yeah probably a synthesizer um turn the drums up everything kind of breaks out yeah and it's uh you know it's it's a lot of it is that like rhythm you know but there's a lot yeah, of other like, stuff too. I was kind of coming into this expecting like, oh, you know, we'll we'll set the rhythm and then we'll kind of groove, and we do. Mm-hmm. But a lot of stuff gets built on top of it, and then it really builds throughout the course of the song to like this huge like party version. So similar to the way the Blue Swede version made it kind of a group thing, like a don't we all know what this is like? They have that, but it's also like party time. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 definitely party time music, and they bring in, like you said, they they start layering in elements. You get that little little chime bit that comes in occasionally. We get the horns, uh, like accenting the mix, doing you know similar to the Blue Swede version, but in a in a different context, different notes, different lines they're doing. Yeah, uh, and you get you get backup vocals on the like the choruses are big. We get a big like choir almost backing up. Yeah, a lot of harmonies. Um, and even in the pre-chorus, they're singing along with him. Uh, mm-hmm. ton of horns going along, playing along with the lines. During the lines, not between the lines. That's right. Um, and then huge group for the eye transition. Same eye transition. Yeah. Yeah, good vibes. And then we go immediately from that chorus and back into the, the vocal rhythms. I wanted to point out something first, because that transition... It's too late, Alex. I'm not going to stitch it so you get to point that out first. It's I've already pointed out a thing. You can point out that thing now, but I've already pointed something out. Okay, you can... Okay, fine. (laughs) We can can go through time linearly, if you insist. I I do insist. (laughs) Not just because I'm lazy. What would you like to point Um, out, Alex? In the in in the transition into the chorus, they mm-hmm. do kind of a slide down, similar to the bass slide. It's on oh, the guitar now. That's yeah. all. They do have the two beats. I noted. Yes, they do that, and then kind of the like a oh, guitar. Yeah, it is there. Yeah. Boom. Boom. But big ta- big party style. Big party style. Yep. Got lots of chimes, horns. Everywhere. They're everywhere. The horns got You're their right, own kind of riff during the chorus too. First. Yeah, they do. It's. Bam, bam, bam. It's, they kind of go like up, they go down a bit. It's yeah. good shit. So there's a lot of stuff. There's like a rhythm guitar going. Yeah, it's big. Yeah, a lot of stuff, but not like like the Jonathan King version had too much stuff in it. This has a lot more stuff, but it's not too much stuff. Like it, it fits a lot better. 
yeah, it all it all works out. Where and were then, we? Yeah, from there we 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 transition into the 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 vocal rhythms again. Right, we briefly then, go back and do good charkas. Yeah. And then we're back into another verse, similar to the first. In fact, it's a repeat of the second verse, which we've already done. That's correct. We're thirsting for cups of wine. Because this version's, well, it's longer. It's about a minute longer than the original. Hey, and they do the, the BJ Thomas lyrics. They do. I'll just, I'll they, just stay addicted. They do, the BJ Thomas lyrics. So they've got kind of influence from both. Or I should say the Mark James lyrics. Eh. Yeah, they do. They get influences from both. Mm-hmm. Um, they also... Right, then, yeah, then they do the, the that that you just said. Um, okay, so I've got a weird note here for this pre-chorus following that, is that they do something harmonically here. Mm, yeah, it's different from the last pre-chorus. The chords. Mm-hmm. I kind of like them. They, they change the harmony for this pre-chorus. Yeah. It's got a different feeling. I don't understand it, um, but it feels different. And it kind of got a cool sound to it. So, yeah, you can and you can hear it up. in his vocal performance too. It's it's a we're in a different range here. Mm-hmm. So check that out. Pre-chorus after that verse. Um, another chorus, big chorus. It's big, still big. Spick, 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 and then a breakdown. Uh, breakdown, of course. Down to drums, lots of drums, and then they do this like jibba jabba jibba jabba jibba jabba jibba jabba jibba jabba. Yeah, jibba-jabba. some dudes making noise. Um, and we get singers doing like ad libbing. I'm hooked on a feeling. Yeah, we come into big some big ad lib. You make me say. Yeah. I As like we got the Uga Chakas in the back. Yeah. Some big ah backup vocals. And from there we go into another pre-chorus. Yeah. So it's and just kind of like. At this point, we're like, we're just riding it out because like we're it's party. We're partying. You yeah, know, we did our breakdown. We just need to go back, do a pre-chorus, do a chorus, finish it off. A couple choruses even. Yeah. Sing a little bit, you know, a little bit more energetically. A little bit of ad libbing on the fade out. It's exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. Yeah, it's classic, and then you fade out. Yeah. Because the party's still going on. Party doesn't end. Absolutely. And yeah, it's a it's an energetic version and it's a lot of fun and um I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's both exactly what I expected from the Baja Men, but different from what I expected from the Baja Men. Yeah, I wasn't exactly and sure what to expect. It's pretty fucking neat. Yeah. Speaking of parties, Alex, we got party animals party in two thousand coming up. Yes. A classic pop gabber group from Amsterdam. Pop gabber. Which is, it's apparently related to techno. That's yeah, what I can uh, tell some you. some genre of hardcore techno known for fast beats and samples. Um, I don't know what uh, makes it hardcore, because I'm used to like hardcore punk, which is very different from this. Yes, that is. A no fact. growling. So, 
A quote here says it's a relentless mix of super fast BPMs, distorted kick drums, and roared vocals. Uh, the music is typically 180 to 190 beats per minute with samples taken from films or other tracks. Uh, and apparently gabber means friend in some sort of form of Amsterdam slang. Pop friend. Um, like, like bruv. Bruv. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know necessarily what any of that means. But... um, So, beats BPM is beats per minute. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, a, a distorted kick drum. Imagine distortion, but applied to a kick drum. I'm sorry. Um, We need to back up a little bit. A drum? Yeah, so they're mm. like big round guys. They're like big round boys. <laughs> With the animal skin over them. They're kind of hollow skin. in the middle. Animals. Okay, so they're like animals. Yeah. Like dead animals that we hit oh. to make music. Yeah, okay. Is that an accurate summation of drums? Yeah, like beating <laughs> I'm out a of my dead element. horse. Uh, anyway, this version. Um, This is our electronic dance version. We alluded Hell to yeah, before. Hell yeah, brother. This uh, is what we expected from dance band. This is uh, absolutely what I expected from Grown Walls. And yeah, there's a lot of like bright synth work, and it's got its own like dance section with its own little dance riff because you got to put your dance riff in it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely and a lot of robo voice. Yes, a lot of expect. that like um like vocoder One, situation. Two, three, right off the bat, counts you four, in. Right off the bat. Um, and then like a drum roll, and then they also have some ugachakas. Um, good. And then that's where your bright, bright synth starts happening. Um, and then there's more of that like vocoder and stuff. Even like moving into the verse, the vocals are very filtered. Um, yeah, yeah, lots of lots of synthesizer, synth bass playing like eighth notes into the pre-chorus. That's right. Um. Interestingly enough, the the transition that ah like doesn't feel like part of the chorus. It's a transition still, but it feels more like part of the pre-chorus, right? Compared to some of the other ones, it doesn't go like super high or anything, and it's not like multi-tracked. Mm-hmm. A, I don't know, there's a, a clear uh, vocal difference, vocal track difference between the ah, which is still done through that filtered voice. Yeah. And then Hooked on a Feeling is a different vocal track. Yeah, which I thought was kind of interesting. Sort of like where you actually draw the line between pre-chorus and chorus. Mm-hmm. Because that's kind of the transition. So where, which side of the line do you put the transition on? Yeah, when it is, the, the, it is literally the transition. So it's technically both. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's also, in that first verse there, in the first half of it, a really good drum roll going. Real high energy. It's just about the only other thing going on besides his vocals there. One well, and the and the, the hugachakas at like twenty seconds in. Doesn't come back, but I liked it there. No, yeah, I guess that that's part of the kind of like semi acapella intro. Mm-hmm. Um also, end of the chorus. Uh that vocoded line. At your in love with me. That's right. Ah, uh, good that's stuff. That's their big move. Yes, definitely. And then into our dance section. So it's like very similar to the chorus, but it has that bright synth that played a bit at the start playing its riff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that riff is pretty consistent throughout. That comes in when we do dance sections. Yeah, 100%. So yeah, you let that ride for a bit. 
and then we get the slips of Sweetie's Candy verse. There's some guitar in this verse. Yes, there's guitar riffs between the lines. I'm always thrown off a bit when I'm like, this is the electronic version, and then someone plays a guitar. I'm like, what are you doing? That's not a synthesizer. You're not allowed to do that. And yet, here he is. And yet, here he is, guitaring. Yeah. Um, pretty uh, similar, I think, as it goes through. There is a, a new synthesizer that plays in a later pre-chorus. It's that, That's right. That, like, popcorn-y synth. Exactly. Um, and yeah, it's all very like high energy, danceable, um, danceable thing. Yeah, you get the robo voice again on the "You're in Love with Me." Classic, not technically classic, but gotta love some vocoder. It it feels very like this is 2000, and it 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 feels like it. Yeah, really lands the <laughs> to mark me. to sound like 2000 EDM. Like. And yes, it's um very novel for that reason. Um. I, I did I did enjoy this this like old school dance music. Mm-hmm. It's fun, and they still do a, a breakdown, uh, like bridge slash pre-chorus. Is it kind I, of a repeat of the dance section from before? Um, at like two twenty-seven there. Oh right, that's and after he breaks that. down and does that. Yes, he so does yeah, after the dance section. So it's back to the like it's like vocals and then. Like symbols, like electronic mm-hmm. symbols, and then the Ugachak has come back. And then it leads back into a chorus. So that one's kind of neat. Just yeah, yeah, something yeah. a little different. And then it, it does like your last 40 seconds are just kind of your big choruses where we just throw whatever we've got left. Like the guitar comes in occasionally during this part to do like. Yeah, Solo like very short pace. little licks. Very <laughs> yeah. short, though. And then there's some shredding right at the end. Just a little bit. Yeah. Um, also, the kind of, like, dance version version of, uh, like, uh, outro ad-libbing, which is this outro ad-libbing, but with a vocoder. That's right. It's just the vocoder lines somewhere. And then, like, a little B comes by at the end there. there like, 3.33, maybe? 334, it's a plane, I think. Mm. Um, in your right ear there, yeah. <laughs> Indeed it does. Yeah, yeah. Fun version. It's, it's always noises like that that make me wonder about that production process. Like, They're like, we have this plane sound. Can we just throw it in here? And it's throw like, it in for like yeah. one second, right before the song ends. <laughs> Most people won't be paying attention anymore. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, it's like, this one's just for us. <laughs> just for us. Yeah, sometimes you got to do something just for you, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, party, party animals. It's it is like a a fun little piece of a two thousands electronic music, and it hits on the like the high energy idea of hooked on a feeling, where it's like, oh, good feelings give you energy. Here's some energy. Boom. Yeah, and then it does that. It does that. It fucking It's a does pretty that. solid song for party versions, honestly. Hell yeah. We've had a couple in a row now. Yeah, for sure we have. But here's the real question, Alex. Is what do we know about Leo Luoto in 2002?
Um, we know that he's uh, Finnish. Yet Swedish-born. Oh, yeah. Um, I think he might be a percussionist, too. It's very strange. He is a percussionist, but all the, like, uh, credits I could find from him, like, oh, he's the bassist for this group and also a bassist for these guys. I'm like, well, when the fuck is he playing drums? So, uh, yeah, I wasn't totally sure if he was actually singing on this one. But um, probably. He was a lead singer and bassist for oh, the okay. Kalmar Union Ensemble, so I'm assuming oh, on his solo work, he is the singer as well. Yes. Must be. Must be. Um, yes, he also did an earlier version of this song, right? This, yeah, in like 74, one, I think. Yeah, so I don't know what that one's like. This is from 2002. Yeah. He's got real, uh, real guttural hugachakas going on Definitely, here. and I don't know if that's just like a Finnish thing. Like, it's just yeah, like, linguistically, just like they have different consonants and vowels. That they use. Yeah, it's fun though. It's uh, whether yeah. it is ooga like, jaga ooga ooga. <laughs> yeah, it's less like hard consonants, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- yeah, there's like an organ as well. Comes in, yep. comes in right off the bat. Organ, some guitar arpeggios. Yes, slow though. Kind of slow mm-hmm. It's almost like a stripped down version of like even the Jonathan King version. It definitely because we don't feels... get horns on this. Yeah, it's like it's very like mellow kind of soft rock thing, and mm-hmm. this one even more than the last time I brought up this term, uh, feels very cheesy to me. Um, particularly the guitar part that comes in in the chorus. Which also has a bit of a country sound. Okay. Kind of like Gronwalls. I, I equated it to that one. Right. Maybe. I don't know. It's, it's another odd version that feels like it's trying to appeal to a trend in a strange way. That's how I read this one anyway. Yeah, it's it's again. It could be easily a karaoke track. Yeah, yeah. Same same feeling. I think on this one. I think like if I'm really gonna break down what's noteworthy here is I think he ends the song with the the two big notes. The bam bam. Yes, very sudden end. A lot of them fade out. Not yeah, and I th- I thought in terms of like keying in on something that's critical to this the the successful versions of this song, which is that transition with the two big drum beats. It's like, yeah, it's kind of a good way to end it. I thought that was a like a good that choice. That is a strong part of the song. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> There's a part in the outro where the guitar like almost kind of starts to solo and then I thought it was gonna solo and then it just like doesn't. I don't have to oh, yeah. understand. I don't remember when it happens. I really thought there was gonna be a guitar solo. It does it's interesting the guitar in this is mixed like really quietly for the most part yeah so, like, and again the... little twang <laughs> yeah a little bit of twang a little into, bit of twang for twang. sure um yeah i found this one strange it's like a strange very like heavily produced pop song from the early 2000s you can hear it in his voice yeah um, I mean, I don't know what his uh, his original version sounded like. Maybe it was all right, but it 
it's like I don't even think it's on Spotify because this earliest album is 1985. It has a different name too. This oh, oh we no. did this one's not in English. Did we mention that's that? right? Yeah, I don't think we did, but he, we both obviously understood yeah. that. He has yeah. two versions of this with different names. Mm. Um, both I think in Finnish, but possibly different translations. Right. So I, I don't know. That makes I didn't, sense. Yeah, I okay. didn't look any more into it. But. Yeah, this one is Ihanat Tuntit. I H A N A T space T U N T E E T. Versus, um, Pauksen Tuntit. So very similar. Okay. But slightly different. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. This, um, this truly, this one was just thrown on because it was a foreign language one. There's actually a ton of foreign language ones. There a lot are. of them Swedish, and I think also it's similar Spanish, to this one having Norwegian, two different versions: Finnish, French, Estonian, Estonian, yeah, Malay. That's cool. So yeah, sometimes it's just nice to get a, a little foreign language on here. This one's pretty unremarkable. Beyond that, though. Yeah, also instrumental ones. You know how it'd be. I do. Um, let's talk. Let's talk about our final cover of the day. Martin Nivera in twenty fourteen, the Filipino American singer and television host, sometimes called the Concert King. I'm hooked on a feeling. I'm high on believing that you're in love with me. Yeah. I looked up his like accolades and he's got a lot of success but like in the philippines dude he's got more platinums than hardcore playstation gamers <laughs> he's got <Boom>. a ton <laughs> he's got a ton god and, and i look at it it's like this is how many platinum and then double platinum and then triple platinum and one quadruple platinum album so he's he's got some success yeah he's doing just fine uh he's a singer uh as you mentioned and this one is really, really feels like it's focusing on the vocals. Yes, There's 100%. not too much to note in the um, rest of it, in the instrumentation. Except for, I guess, the tone that it's giving us, which is more of your emotional performance than perhaps any other of these have, have shot for. That's true. It's it real, feels real more sentimental. Intimate. Yeah. Um, which I guess is kind of a different direction from where, like, when we talked about the Blue Sweet version, we talked about some of the party versions, where it's like, this is something we're sharing, right? Mm-hmm. This is, he's sharing it still, but it's like one-to-one kind of thing. It's like, and he's talking yeah. about how he's feeling. So, um, it also doesn't have, like, Uga Chakas and stuff. No. Um, I'm just, he does this, he does borrow the the eye transition, the descending eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it does a bass slide, and it does the hits. So yeah. it, it is obviously influenced by the more popular version. But outside of that, it's a lot of kind of, I would say, fairly straightforward arrangement. Yeah, but it's it, really built to highlight his vocals and yes. let you know that this is the song hooked on a feeling. Yeah, and it does support, um, like you said, that kind of more intimate feeling. Mm-hmm. 
particularly on the verses, like the courses, he goes big, instruments come in, it's loud. But like the verses, he really goes for that intimate feeling. And he's a strong singer. Does a good yeah. job. It's not like the most interesting vocal showpiece or anything. No. Like just the song itself. Um, it's more of like, I mean, it, BJ Thomas wasn't like some huge famous singer guy. It's more like a folky approach, right? Yeah. So, but he's singing it strongly here. Um, this one, it's like a decent, I'd say as, as far as the versions we've talked about, this one is comparable to the Jonathan King version. Or, or rather, let me say this better, because that's not what I want to say at all. This is probably mm-hmm. the most like straightforward pop adaptation of the song. I would put it alongside Leo Luoto, but I find it a bit more interesting. Because Leo Luoto, like you said, just kind of sounds like karaoke. Yeah. Uh, whereas this one, it sounds more like a performer performing it. Yeah, it sounds performer. more like pop, like yeah, you said. It yeah, takes yeah. A, a very well-known pop structure, soft verse, loud chorus, and applies that to this, but with a little more softness than other versions have taken. Yeah, and, and strips out the more unusual elements, uh, like, well, so pretty much the Uga Chakas. Yeah. Interestingly, despite this being focused on his, uh, his vocals, we do get a guitar solo at the, just after the two-minute mark. It's pretty short, though, right? Pretty short, yeah. Yeah. Because it's your, it's your build-up to the, the, the breakdown. But he actually does almost more of a build-up with the breakdown than a breakdown. Because we go right into a sort of driving rhythm. Actually, yes, you know what? That was something I forgot to mention. I agree with you absolutely. And his pre-choruses have a very, very strong build feeling on it. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's like, like you said, it's, it's the, the drums, bup, 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 and then like down strums on the guitars. And then yeah, the, it's even like, the backup vocals. Did you say the backup vocals already? I didn't, but you did yeah. just now. Okay. Someone said the backup vocals. Doing their like, <laughs> it's like a build. Like, ooh. That's right. And then we do the classic cut those all out, do just vocals yeah. on the transition eye, and then everything's in for the chorus. So like, it, he, he builds it to, to bump up the chorus. Yes, absolutely. So it definitely has more of uh, personality than the Leo Luoto version. Mm-hmm. It feels like someone actually like kind of cared. It's just I don't necessarily think the style it was moved into is the most interesting thing to me, but it's a perfectly mm-hmm. solid version. Yeah, it's like a, it's it's polished, but it's not like the yeah. end result is not incredible. Yeah, but it's done well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, right on, Martin. I mean, he's got a million platinums. What, is he, what does he care what we think about no. his goddamn cover yeah, of Oaktana Felix? 18 platinum, 5 double platinum, 3 triple platinum, and 1 quadruple platinum. That's, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, that is pretty damn good. Yeah. You know what else is going to be pretty damn good is our final verdict. amazing Alex, that he even f- has that many albums. Yeah, honestly. That's anyway. quite a few. Our final verdicts, final Alex. Verdicts. We got th- three categories today. We got the worst version. The best version. And since this is the first episode of the summer, or at least it will be when it releases, we're going to do, which one's Summer Jam? Oh. 2021. Okay. You got it, Alex. Alex, worst version. 
Worst version, I'm going to give it to Leo Luoto. I didn't like Gronwell's either very much, but I think his, to me, was just the 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 least interesting one. Uh, and it also had like things that I'm not really into in it, more so than some of the other ones. Yeah, that's fair. Um, it really is a competition, competition, uh, uh, between uh, these two, Gronvalls and uh, Leo Luoto for the bottom here. Although I'm tempted to throw Jonathan King under the bus, similar to last week with, um, with Torn and and throwing Trine Ryan down there. You know what? I gotta agree with you. It's Leo Luoto. At least like Gronvalls had a had a fuller sound, even if it was still not very full or good. Leo Luoto was like full on karaoke, flat. The only interesting thing was that it was in another language, and I'm sure there's other people, other Finnish people who have done better covers than this. So and there's so many get it together. other, uh, like alternate, other language versions. Yeah, even in Finnish. Exactly. So it's it's unremarkable, and still we've discussed it today. So sorry about that, everyone. But Leela Woto, worst version, best version, Alex. What is it? Best version. I liked. Several of these, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like struggling now. Last week, I I gave it to to Natalie to Natalie and Brulio, despite that usually not being your policy. Despite that, which which is kind of like I know I I felt like almost like I shouldn't because that's almost the original, and I'm having a similar mm-hmm. feeling here. It's like obviously Blue Suede defined it. Mm-hmm. Um. But then it's almost the original again, so it's like, who did the best version of that? Right. Um, I'm gonna give it to Blue Sweet yeah. to help you out here. Okay. I, I mean, it's it is definitive. It's the best. It's awesome. It sounds great. And, and like that's what I'm doing. Th- I mean, that said, of the cover versions, I I think I personally would give it to the Baja Men. Hell yeah. Um, it's a really, really solid high energy version that um does borrow from Blue Swede in some good ways, but has a pretty distinct um identity of its own. Yeah, it really keeps up the energy, does a lot, like it's very dynamic, but it doesn't sound messy like the, the Jonathan King version. Yeah, like all the parts are at least like decent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and that's why I'm picking Baja Men for my Summer Jam 2021. Yes. I didn't necessarily want to double up. And I think they deserve Summer Jam as well, for sure, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, Party Animals, almost. They're not Summer Jam 2021, though. They're no. Summer Jam some other year. But when, when we're doing the big 2000s throwback, it's Party Animals time. But, Until then. But right now, right here, right now? Baha yeah, men. what do we need? Absolutely. Baha men. We need less we need G's, the Baha men. more Baja men. More Baja men. 100%. That's our final verdicts. If you've got a different opinion, a similar opinion, or want to talk to us about a version we didn't talk about, hit us up on Twitter. Hashtag CoverMePod, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise guy. Let us know what you think. You can also email us at CoverMePod at gmail.com. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, suggestions for future episodes. Whatever you like. Rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. Tell your friends about us. We don't have a budget. You're our budget. Go. Spread the word. Let people know what what it is that you listen to for roughly two hours every week. If indeed any of you do that. 
which I don't think you do, but hey, two hours every once in a while, right? Come on, tell somebody. Tell them, and you'll feel better, I swear. Now, it's time for a bonus segment, which I ask Alex a question. Alex, E3 is coming up, and by the time this episode the airs, it'll be... Entertainment uh, Expo. Expo. It'll be pretty much done. Um, what are you hoping to see? What are you hoping to see at E3, Alex? I mean, I always want to see uh, more Zelda. Pretty sure that's more Zelda, baby. That's coming I think it's up. It's on the way. They yeah. they didn't specifically say it, but that seems to be most likely. But they winked and nodded. They winked. Yeah, I I I see it as like they they're gonna acknowledge it at the very least. I hope it's not just a more another on that apology. Later. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that was such a rough one. Yeah. And then Nintendo Direct is like, hey, what's up? It's me, Jonoa. Nothing to say to this guys. Top. <laughs> Not Breath of the Wild 2 related. Um, but really, it seems like there's probably going to be something else related to... Or maybe not probably. There's a, a chance there's going to be something else related to the, the Zelda anniversary. Because mm. they're releasing um, Skyward Sword. It's not really oh, anniversary right. themed. So... I, I would hope they bring that up and, and mention something. Maybe they do something about that. Right. They'll probably sh- they'll, they'll start us off with Skyward Sword and then be like, oh, and also Zelda-related this. Something. Whatever it might be. Whatever it may be. Um, if indeed it is anything at all. Uh, that's, that's what I want to see, personally. Um, I'm trying to think. I've yeah. just been focused on Nintendo things lately. <laughs> I know um, it's it's what I'm there for, baby. Also, I know the the Elden Ring trailer just just dropped. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing more of that. I was playing some, you know, played Bloodborne a couple months ago. Very excited by that. Haven't got into any of the Souls games fully. It's the only one I finished is Bloodborne. Um, but Elden Ring looks uh, interesting, if at least. Hell yeah. It's been talked about for a while, too, right? Yes. They announced it, I don't even remember, quite a while ago. I haven't really been following it. Yeah, they announced it before I gave a shit about Souls games. Yes. And so, so now that I've actually I got a couple under my belt, I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, now I'm excited for What's this. What's coming up next? And uh, I haven't been really... What else is, what else is potentially happening? What, what do you got? I don't know. Well, I think... I'm not, like... Because I don't play a lot of Super Smash Bros. on account of having no friends out here in Vancouver. Right. But I'm inter- I feel like if this is the opportune time to drop another fighter reveal. Another fighter? I'm always curious Probably. to see who those are. Probably. So, so that's something that I, I'm kind of I'm making a prediction. It's it will happen. I don't know who it's going to be. It's going to be Probably Gex. another sword fighter. It's gonna, oh, fucking Gex. <laughs> At least it's not Super a sword fighter, am I right? Uh, uh, the last one was. Um, what was the last one? The the uh the, the two sword ladies, the big yes. booby sword ladies. Yes, Pyra, Mithra and Pyra from Mithra and Pyra. From that's Xenoblade right. Chronicles two. Actually, potentially another Xenoblade game. Oh, uh, that would hey, be interesting. That'd be something. Uh, or whatever Monolith is working on. Monolith Soft. Yeah. Um, but I I think the way they're going to do it, they haven't said. I don't think, but they seem to be alternating first party, third party characters, and there's six characters oh. that in this fighter pass or whatever they call it um right. so presumably the next one announced will be a third party character which as far as i can tell is just anyone's game because the last one was steve from minecraft minecraft so, like, th- yeah anything could happen at this point fuck it's crazy i'm hoping for something crazy yeah um 
So other things I might be excited to see. Square Enix has got shit coming up, so if they we could see some Final Fantasy 16 footage, I'd be oh I'd be right interested yeah in I forgot that. they announced that and forgot uh, they announced that. Oh, uh, they'll probably show more um, whatever's going on with Final Fantasy 7 remake. I think they well, got like on, a they million literally things already going done on, the... right? Because there's, yeah. like, there's like a bunch of Final Fantasy 7 themed stuff. And am I remembering correctly that they're that they're remaking some of the PSP games? Or was that just something someone wanted to happen? Maybe. I hey, I have news for you. The Square Enix presentation literally already happened. Oh. So well, I haven't seen uh, it yet. Was forget it my predictions. It was today, yeah. Okay. Um, they got some kind of Final Fantasy thing coming up, but it's not Final Fantasy 16. It's a spinoff game developed by the Ninja Gaiden guys. Okay, all right. Team Ninja. Or Gaiden. It would be Gaiden, yeah. Um, no, I, I'm kind of just like, I, when I was younger, I was always like, I need these things to happen. I need E3 to have these things for me to fulfill me as an older person. Now it's always just like, I hope they show me something exciting. Right. I just, I'm like, whatever's new, it's cool. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm open to like, whatever I I would like to see Zelda obviously, but like, it's going to happen when it happens. It's not going to not happen. So like, whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got, I got other shit to do, you know? Yeah. Whoops. So um, it'll happen. Now, I'll, I'll think it's excited. neat. I will think it's neat. That's true. And, and of course, there's a ton of indie games coming out, too. A lot of indie games seem to be focused on, on aping Stardew Valley and, like, Animal Crossing to some extent. We're seeing, like, a really? cozy res- renaissance right now, it seems. Cozy renaissance. Guardians of the Galaxy game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. Speaking of Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, they, they, you can now play as Star-Lord. What else Ooh. do you need out of games? Anyway, that's that's our bonus segment. Tell us what you're looking forward to at E3, or, or after the fact, I guess. Tell us what you liked about E3, what you're excited for. Tell us about games, and maybe we'll talk about, like, in a game episode, we'll do some do some songs, or... I don't know, we can just do a bonus episode. Alex and I talk about video games, how much we like them. That's just what the segment is. All right. <laughs> that's the end of our bonus segment. As we always say on Cover Me... I hooked on cover me.